0: folks today and those of you who are visiting uh, just a hearty welcome to you. We're so glad that you've come to worship with us here at Terranova Church where we are going through a series talking very practically about what it means to be the church together, what it means to live unto one another. We just got done with a series in Matthew where we looked at the life of Jesus and now we see very clearly the commands of Jesus to go now and do these things to one another. As many of you know, Daniel, uh, Pastor Daniel, is often sabbatical. Um, I actually heard from him yesterday. He's doing really well. Um, just a reminder to be praying for him and the family. They're getting along just great, and uh, they will be heading out to the west coast uh, in a couple of days to enjoy some time out there. Um, I reminded, or I uh, let him know that the addition of the bouncy house in the back of the church has really improved attendance since he's been gone. Um, So maybe we can make that happen. I'm joking. Of course. Um, One of the benefits of this season, this summer season, uh, where Daniel is gone, um, is actually the fact that we get to hear from uh, a multitude of uh, men that love Jesus and want to bring us the word. Um, So besides myself, we've We've already heard from Madison Wyman, our pastoral intern. We'll be hearing from Ruben Todd, who is an elder in process here, but as well, uh, we'll be hearing from uh, Paul Fekeda and TJ Steers, so m- men from our congregation that love Jesus and want to bring the word to us. We're also going to hear from some voices outside of our church. Um, Next week we'll be hearing from um, Pastor Rick Cohen from Adirondack Christian Fellowship. Rick is a long time um, spiritual mentor and guide of Pastor Daniel and he's just an amazing man of God and um, is, is bringing us the word next week, he'll be talking about Ruth, where we'll be really talking about, about this concept of redemption, of identity, of family, so it really follows in line with the things that we've been talking about as a church. And then next, uh, the following week, we'll be hearing from David Pinckney, who is a former lead pastor from River of Grace Church out in New Hampshire. Uh, He's actually the uh, regional president of Acts 29 um, Northeast. And uh, we've done a ton of work with him uh, along with Paul Gordon out in North Adams. Um, And I've gotten to know David and he's One of my favorite people and just has such a heart for Jesus and is going to be talking to us about Ephesians 1. Again, our identity as the church. So these all fall in line, but the next two weeks we'll be taking a little bit of a a pause from our One Another series. So, wanted to fill you in on those things. We look forward to hearing from them and make sure that they feel welcome and we show them the love and affection that we do one another here. Um, So today, we are going to be talking about how to forbear with one another. Now that's just kind of an older form of the word, to bear with. And our text today comes from Colossians 3. So if you wanna open there now, we will be reading from that in a moment. But as you're doing that, again, I, as I have the last three or four weeks, I've reminded you of our foundational verse for this series, which is 1 Peter 4, 8 to 11. It's up there. I'm just gonna read it again as I have. forever and ever. So all of these, these six Sundays that we're talking about, the one anothers all of these we pursue because of the love that Jesus has already showed us. And through this love, we are equipped, we are equipped to do the work that he asks us to do. And as a church, we pursue this Christ-centered, God-empowered life, frankly, because we, we all need it, right? In and of ourselves, we are hopeless. But I, I don't—I don't want to assume that. I don't want to put that on you. So I'll ask: um, Is anybody here perfect? Okay, good. <laughs> uh, is anybody here self-sufficient? Maybe to degrees. But is anyone not in need of comfort? Is anyone here not in need of love or confession or? forbearing or forgiveness okay so we're all in the same boat today in and of ourselves we will we will seek ourselves and not our brothers and sisters in christ and without each other we grow cold and we perpetuate a failing kingdom a kingdom that is not of jesus And we are all in need of these one another's because we are not perfect yet. We are all on a journey, as we're going to be talking about in a little bit. And the way that God designed us, the way that God designed his Christ followers, is that we are to work together, that we are to live together for Jesus, together. Now, God could have He could have decided that at the moment of conversion, at the moment of conversion when we give our lives to Jesus and we accept him as our Savior and Lord over our life, he could have, at the moment of salvation, remade every cell in our bodies at the snap of a finger and made us perfect beings. Now, where would the need for community be then? Where would the need be for the word of God? Where would the need be for preaching and teaching? Where would the need and dependence for the Holy Spirit be? So he did not do it that way. He could have, but he didn't. Even Jesus, our Savior, lived the human experience. He set aside his heavenly glory. He entered our suffering, and he did so through the power of the Spirit of God in him, because he is God, and he depended on the plan of the Heavenly Father. Now, as Christ followers, together we walk forward towards this kingdom that Jesus brings. We are submitted to the plan of the Father, and we anticipate, just like Jesus did, we anticipate the glory to come. And we embrace the reality of the glory that Jesus has for us eternally, and we all embrace the process that we are all uh, undergoing to get there. If you're new to Christianity or religion or what have you, or maybe Jesus is kind of a foreign concept to you, you're welcome here, and we're going to be talking about that today. So dig in with us. Nowhere in the Bible, nowhere in the Bible do we see people not struggling the Bible is full of people struggling and suffering. Nowhere in the Bible do we have a command, pull yourself up by the bootstraps, be self-sufficient, you can do it, get up. No, it's actually very much the opposite. <laughs> it's give, give yourself away, die to yourself, put on Christ, surround yourself with others, and walk forward in humility. It's very much different than what the world teaches us, doesn't it? Isn't it? So that doesn't mean that just because we have the Holy Spirit and we are submit to Christ as Christians, that doesn't mean that the Christian experience is without suffering or without struggle and trial. But for that matter, matter, neither is the human experience. The difference between Christians and the world is that we have an aim. We have a Projection that's both perfect and eternal. There's hope in that. Perhaps, just kind of riffing on this now, like perhaps we struggle in this life because it actually drives us to desire more the perfect and coming kingdom of heaven. Do you get excited about that? Do you see the glimpses of the kingdom that are all around us? They're glimpses, but they're there. And do you pray? Do you pray earnestly for Jesus to come and to complete his work and bring heaven to earth? Do we pray that way? Jesus teaches us to do it. That's that's not just me. Jesus says in the Lord's Prayer, he says, thy kingdom come. Are we praying this? I always want my plan A to be, Jesus comes back tomorrow right? When you struggle, when you suffer, when you see and experience brokenness, plead for Jesus in his return. He asks us to. We want him back. We want him to come and finish the mission of restoration for all things and for the entire world. Amen? Let's pray that way. The world's a wild place right now but by the power of the Spirit, we can endure. And that's what we're gonna be talking about today. So that was a really long-winded way of saying, we need each other. I can be long-winded sometimes, but I think all of that content is important as we go into today's sermon. All right, so we're gonna jump into what it means to bear with one another on this long journey. And our roadmap today is, we're gonna look at what does it mean to bear with one another um, and then we're going to look at what, uh, what forgiveness has to do with bearing with. And then we're going to take a look at a, a, a word that might be new to some of you, and that's discipleship. All right, Colossians 3, 12 to 15, it'll be on the screen, but you can read along in your Bibles. If you would like. All right, here we go. Put on then... As God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience, bearing with one another. And if one has a complaint against another, forgiving each other. As the Lord has forgiven you, so you also must forgive. And above all, Put on love which binds everything together in perfect harmony. And let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you were called in one body. And be thankful. I love the the end. Just be thankful. So, before we even talk about bearing with one another, what are Christ's followers called? We are chosen, we are holy. we are beloved. Friends, if you are in Christ today, you are chosen. You are made holy by Jesus and you are loved. Okay, so what does it mean to forbear? I think it's Probably good to start with, what does it not mean? Because I think sometimes this word can be a little bit tricky for us with cultural implications. So what Paul doesn't mean here, what he does not mean is that we simply tolerate people. Forbearance doesn't mean we tolerate. Like, I'll tolerate music playing in the background, like music I don't particularly like, but I'll tolerate it. It's there. It's not what I would have chosen, but I kind of tolerate it. Like, I'll tolerate brown rice, I won't not eat it, but if I had a choice, like, just give me the real stuff. (laughs) My wife's smirking at me because I make a big deal about brown rice. I just don't like it. It's not, eh, it's just, eat real rice. Okay, sorry. Like, that's like me tolerating something I don't particularly like, but it's just kind of there, okay? What about, um, it also doesn't mean, bearing with one another doesn't mean, just, just grin and bear it. Just grin and bear it. We hear that all the time. For me, that's like running errands. It's like, I just gotta get it done, make a smile on your face, we can do this, let's go, okay. But you're just trying to get through, you're just trying to get done. Grinning and bearing it is just trying to get it done. Same as uh, like white knuckling, we hear that a lot, like we just kinda white knuckle your way through this, like like doing my taxes. Now, I I actually don't even do my taxes, but it's like getting all the paperwork together to have to pay somebody to do your taxes. That's white-knuckling, okay? So what Paul doesn't mean is that people are to be tolerated, grinned and bared with, or white-knuckled through. That's not what he's talking about. So what does he actually mean to live alongside others and bear with them? Now, before I try to sound super smart and throw Greek words at you and stuff, which I will, um, look at the text Okay, in verse 13, and it gives us all of the information we need to know about how to bear with. Okay, in verse 13 he says, put on then compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience. Bearing with one another. That's all you need to know about the type of bearing we are to do towards brothers and sisters in Christ. However, uh, I think it is actually super important to understand the language in which the Bible was written. Okay, Greek is one of the main languages that the Bible was written, and the word here for bear with is anechomai. enechomai, which actually means, literally, it means to endure with. It also means to prevent yourself from saying or doing something, especially in a way that shows control. So in other words, we show restraint as we endure with. Okay, so uh, raise your hands today if you have shortcomings. It's everybody. (laughs) So we are all in need of others to bear with us. We are all in need for others to show us restraint. We are all in need for others to endure with our rough edges, our faults. And we are to do this from a place of, remember verse 13, compassion and kindness and meekness and patience. Not to simply just tolerate an annoying person. One of the other places that this idea of bear with one another happens and uses that same Greek word, anechomai, is in Ephesians 4, 1 to 3. And I think it's important to mention this because both of these letters are written by Paul, and Paul is teaching us as the church how to work together. So if it shows up twice, it's probably important. Ephesians 4, 1 to 3 says this. He says, I therefore, a prisoner for the Lord, urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called, with all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another enduring one another in love eager to maintain the unity of the spirit and the bond of peace again we are bearing with one another out of love with humility gentleness patience in order to maintain unity in the body now disclaimer this is not easy okay so don't think oh man i really really terrible at this. Well, you're in good company, okay? Don't ever assume that the applications of these one and others are going to be easy. People are just downright annoying sometimes. I mean, right? Like people great against us. All right, a good example here. Okay. Um, for those of you who are married here, more uh, audience participation, not audience, you're not an audience, you're you're congregation. I was, um, my music background, I'd say audience, sorry. Um, more congregational participation here. Those of you who are married, raise your hand if sometimes, not all the time, if you would describe marriage as endurance. Okay, and if you're not raising your hand, you're lying. <laughs> we'll talk about that another week okay now look at uh, we're going to look at the screen here uh, in a minute because Jesus who is God also shares some of those sentiments about people being difficult Um, this is a great example in Matthew 17 17 Jesus uh, his disciples bring him a boy who is demon-possessed because they did not have the faith to heal him and they brought him to Jesus they're like we don't know what to do And Jesus answered like this. He said, oh, faithless and twisted generation, how long am I to be with you? How long am I to bear with you? Same word, anechomai. How long am I to bear with you? Bring him here to me. Now, he's Jesus. He has the right to voice this. How long am I to bear with you? Not the best thing to say to a spouse, please, or a friend. Don't say that. But how many times do we also hear Jesus say in his closest friends, right? Twisted generation, you of little faith, why do you doubt? Bearing with people is hard. But Paul is saying here in Colossians that we must endure one another out of love. We are able to to endure, and to bear with one another if we have love, if we have restraint, meekness, patience, humility. These are all fruits of the spirit of the living God inside of us. So without him, bearing with one another is virtually impossible. But let's keep moving here because the flip side of this coin and the essential companion with forbearance, right here in the text in verse 13, is this. Bearing with one another, and if one has a complaint against one another, forgiving each other. As the Lord has forgiven you, so you also must forgive. So as we're talking about forbearance, forgiveness is an essential component. Forgiveness completes forbearance. And we are told here, this is a command... Okay, let's not shy away from the Bible telling us what to do, because it does and we ought to follow. We are told here, you must forgive. Dealing with others is pretty impossible unless you are able to forgive. Just like life with Jesus is impossible until we are forgiven by him. That's why he adds here, as the Lord has forgiven you, you also must forgive others. If we don't forgive, we will turn into those that tolerate others. We will turn into those that build up resentment. We will turn into others that stew in our hearts against somebody, and our hearts will eventually grow cold and angry. In forgiveness, we are free to love the person. And the person we are forgiving is free from the weight of our judgment towards them. Now, forgiveness dismantles hostility. It puts away debt, it puts away rage, it puts away wrath. And let's be clear, forgiveness doesn't mean, it does not mean, I don't care that, you're, that you sinned, it's okay. Not saying that. What it is saying is that I choose to see you the way that jesus sees you and i'm going to treat you the way that jesus treats you all while we are pointing them and encouraging them to look towards christ galatians 6 1-2 says, brothers, if anyone is caught in any transgression, you who are spiritual should restore him in a spirit of gentleness. There's that word again, gentleness. Keep watch on yourself, lest you too be tempted. Bear one another's burdens, and so fulfill the law of Christ. Jesus is the one who took our burdens. Jesus is the one who forgave our sins and put them upon his shoulders as he went to the cross. He says in Matthew eleven twenty eight, 28, come to me, those who, are, who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle, I am lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy, my burden is light the words of our Savior. And our goal here, our goal here is ultimately to be like Jesus. And as the church, after all, we are his body and after all, the spirit of the living God has poured his spirit out on us to do the works of Jesus unto another. This is a powerful thing and this is a life worth living. So let's Go to uh, the third point here today. So we have a word for this life that we live and we journey on towards Jesus, bearing with one another, forgiving them, and this word is called discipleship. This is one of those Christian words that we use occasionally that I'm not convinced everybody really totally understands what it means, so we're going to work on that today. So we are disciples of Jesus. A disciple is somebody that follows somebody else and learns from them. Apprentice would be a, 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 a pretty good um, additional word there. We are disciples of Jesus. We are not mini self-gods. No, we are followers. We have not fully arrived. We are not perfect. But as disciples, we keep our eyes on the one who is. So then Forgiveness and forbearance are key components in the discipleship journey. They work together as we journey with others. This is not a straight line. This is a journey. At Terra, we like to describe this as a spiral. As we seek after Jesus, as He reveals Himself to us, and 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 we uh, we. We respond to his revelation to us, and then we reflect that outward we 're either moving in closer towards Jesus or further out away from him. but we are still on this uh, this cyclical journey so that At one point in the circle, if we deal with a particular sin or suffering, and as we journey closer and closer and closer, five years go by and we see that same sin or that same struggle again, we can say, I've been through that before and now I'm here and now I know how to deal with it differently and better. That's why it's a spiral. Look at the life of Peter for a moment with me. If anyone in the Bible, this is a a beautiful Picture of the way Jesus endured and bared with, and humbly and meekly with patience, carried this man along in his journey to be Peter from Simon. Jesus changed his name. If that's any, uh, if if that's any indication of somebody changing and going in a different direction. It's a complete name change. Peter, the rock upon which I will build my church, says our Lord. But look at the life of Peter as a disciple. We look at, uh, at Luke 5. You don't need to turn there. Luke 5, 1 to 11, we see the, the miracle where they, hadn't, they he was a fisherman and they hadn't caught any fish and he goes out in the boat and he casts, Jesus says, do it one more time and he's like, all right, fine. And he goes and he casts the nets and caught all the fish, and he comes back, and he says to Jesus, he he realized at that point who Jesus was, or at least he thought he did, and he said, depart from me, I'm a sinful man. So Jesus revealed himself to Peter. Peter responds in an incorrect way. He believes who Jesus is, but his response was not the response that Jesus wanted. It was, follow me, not depart from me, okay? Matthew 14 when the disciples are in the boat and Jesus had headed, headed off already and he sees Jesus walking on the water, now Peter has some faith. And now Peter says, let me come to you. And he got out of the boat. I think we often throw Peter under the bus that he, that he started to drown, but it's like the guy got out of the boat. He had some faith. But the troubles of the world made him nervous and he says, not depart from me, Lord. He says what? Come on, what does he say? Lord, save me. The correct response. In Matthew 16, we see Peter as the first one to literally confess who Jesus is. Jesus says, who do you think I am? And he says, you are the Christ. Faith. However, like any discipleship journey, there's going to be valleys. In Matthew 22, we see... Peter sitting out by the fire saying I don't know who he is swears it I don't know the man he's scared but finally we see this beautiful picture of Jesus and Peter on the beach John 21 where Jesus asks Peter, do you love me? I want us all to be most concerned when we consider our discipleship journeys. I want us all to be most concerned with how you answer that question over, do you love Jesus? My prayer as your pastor and your brother is that you would say, I love you. I might screw it up. I might start to drown. I might totally disown you, but I love you. And to know that Jesus loves you more than we ever could love him. Okay? So, are you a Peter? do you know any peters yes you are (laughs) yes you do being a disciple will take a long time and it will take compassion it will take kindness humility meekness patience forgiveness if we are to bear with one another to endure one another we see in the life of jesus consistency humility patience all of the above so we see that in the discipleship journey, bearing with people is essential because it's a process. We are being made into likeness. Jesus didn't give up on Peter, neither should you and I give up on each other. We are called to endure with and to journey with, and this is the beautiful process of discipleship in which we are being made into something new, being made into something better. Um, If you're still open to Colossians 3, look up the page, just a couple of verses, um, verses 9 and 10. Listen to these words. Seeing that you have put off the old self with its practices and have put on the new self, which is being renewed in knowledge after the image of its creator. Verse 10 says we are being renewed. The discipleship process at work. You and I are beautiful works in process. Lumps of clay in the hands of the Father. As a church, collectively, Ephesians 2.22 says, in him, Jesus, you also are being built into a dwelling place for God by the Spirit. We are a dwelling place. You and I, who, remember at the beginning of, uh, of, of verse 12, we are chosen, we are holy, we are loved, disciples of Jesus are being renewed and changed and molded each day into more Christ-likeness. So, like Jesus, we must bear with one another, bring each other together, forgive one another. This is the mark of the church that we don't give up on one another, that we derive a collective identity in Christ. Not in our age, not in our race, not in our affinity, not in our political party, not in our favorite sports team. We derive a complete identity through Jesus. One eternal and hopeful body. So, friends, as you forbear with one another, this is going to take sacrifice from you. So, in tribes, which is our our small groups, get involved with those. Or find a group of people that you can do life with closely. Ask hard questions. Take that phone call late at night. Make a place at your messy table at home for somebody who needs a companion. Invite one another into the chaos of your life in real time. You know, so often we wait for that perfect scenario where the kids are clean and everyone's had a bath and they're going up and they're going to read each other's stories and we're going to sit down with tea and we're going to talk about life. It's like, that's great, but that 98% of the time doesn't happen. So, as you invite that person over and you're bearing with them and their troubles and you're praying for them and you're saying, just come over and be with me, they're also bearing with you. They're not looking at your mess and condemning you for that. They're not thinking your kids are are jerks for screaming at you because it's seven o'clock and they're tired. Make time and space in your life for others. This will take work. This will take sacrifice. Pray for others again and again and again. How many times do you pray the same thing to the Lord over and over and over again and somebody at tribe asks for the same prayer for like 16 weeks in a row? Pray for them again and again. Meanwhile, pointing them to Christ. Understanding them deep enough to, to turn them into, turn them to see what Jesus is already doing and to help them form those prayers, prayer requests. Pray, pray, pray for one another. Don't cast judgment on a brother or sister who may have made that silly choice or bad decision for the 10th time. Bear with them. Show them the love of Christ. See them as a, a work in progress that is eternal and has hope in the end. And do all of these things cloaked in Jesus' love, in his meekness, in his patience, in his humility. Um, Let's have the band come back up now. I want our church to be known for this. I want our church to be known as a church that loves and bears with and endures with for the long haul. can we be known for this? Remind me, we're the perfect people out out there today okay so so that means we all need this. we all need it. Our last scripture today um, is Colossians 3, 10 to 11. As we come to the table, we are reminded of our collective identity in Christ that is beautifully showed by the broken bread and the cup poured out. Colossians three ten to 11 says, and have put on the new self, which is being renewed in knowledge after the image of its creator. Here there is not Greek, and Jew, circumcised and uncircumcised, barbarian, scathian, slave, free, but Christ is all in all. Let that be said of Terranova Church. I pray that, that Christ would be all in all because he paid the price. He poured himself out and was broken for you so that he could give you his spirit and so that you could live for him towards eternity where he will finish the job. We are all works in progress until the day Jesus brings us home or comes home. Amen? We have so much hope. I don't care what the gas prices are right now. It's really scary. But we have hope. I don't care what one political party is doing or the other one is doing or the wars in the, in the world. I do care about those things, yes. But instead of being scared, let us look towards the future of hope. And let us endure this time with one another as Jesus endures us and loves us and forbears with us. This world is not all there is, friends. So let us be reminded again of the hope that we have, the life that we have that was given to us by Jesus as we come to communion. Amen.